you and I have operated Invest for so long, and there's just some things that are fundamental that maybe we delayed having. I guess it's just a reflection. I no, feel no, like, you, you have know, to explain we, that we because like, you just left it so vague. That's okay. Like this roles and responsibilities. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so important and it I think could have like saved a lot of headache. The problem is, you know, we've been in the weeds for so long that sometimes taking a step back and just thinking about the company and how you want to run the company takes a backseat. And that's, I think, has always been our biggest, uh, I guess, a reflection slash lesson. Yeah. If you're going to hold people responsible for something, you need to define it really well. So you understand it. They understand it. Back in 2006, we had this great idea of starting a digital marketing agency in VASP. We had no idea what our journey would look like and how our company would grow. In a turn of events, as if we weren't busy enough, a couple of years ago, we launched our SaaS company, ThickPi. Two companies run by a husband-wife team and stretched thin. Our life is crazier than ever. Join us every week on Boot Trapped, where we talk about running our two companies, the ups, the downs, and the lessons we learn along the way. Another week, another episode of Boot Trap, and what a week, Ayat, how are you doing? Before we jump in and what you did all last week or you didn't do, how are you feeling? At the moment, drained. And you sound a little drained. Yeah, I, I feel really tired, actually. It's just every week, there's always more. There's more. I guess that's part of running a business and all that. But you do sound tired. Are you sure you want to do this episode? We're already in it. <laughs> Let's just complete it. Okay, listeners, let's see. Tell us, what have you been busy with? So I have been busy this week with onboarding new team member. And again, like we tried to, we have been following a different process. Tomorrow, I'm supposed to go through the roles and responsibilities document. What are the roles and expectations? Because what we've found is we actually don't define the roles and responsibilities and expectations for each of our team members very well. And so one thing that we've been working on is creating for every single role within our company, what are those roles and responsibilities that they have? And going through that document, so like one of the onboarding activities of a new person is going through that document with them and almost like it's a contract. Do you agree with this? Does this make sense? And of course, we haven't figured out how to roll this out, but we will be rolling it out to everybody. But it's just a better way for everybody to be clear on where they fit and what their responsibilities are and how we're going to be measuring their success and all that good stuff. That has been what I've been really busy with. It's fascinating because I've helped you work on that. But now, by the way, as you say this, and as we had the conversation, as we were taking our walk, I start thinking, I'm like, okay, so I thought that we've defined the roles really well. I'm like, here's the role, here's the goal of the role or the purpose, and here's your responsibilities. One, two, three, four, five. And then as we're walking, you mentioned something about project managers and what you expect them to do. And I'm like, hmm. I went back actually, and I looked at the document and I'm like, oh, this is not mentioned. As a matter of fact, like where we took project management is, was in a completely different area. And then also I start thinking about the CROs and how we define their role. And I'm like, oh man, 
I heard a lot from CROs that there was, and as, as you were explaining, okay, we're defining this really well. I remember that I heard from CROs that the touch points between them and project managers and the client sometimes was not very clear. Who does this? Who does that? And I'm like, oh, does that belong in this document? Because really the goal from this document is you understand. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe it needs to be somewhere else, procedures and processes. I think so, because this document otherwise will become overwhelming. But no matter how much work you do, there's more to define. I don't know. What do you think? No, I think we've done a much better job in figuring out. But the other key thing is that we're trying to change the way that we're doing things. And the roles and responsibilities that we've now created are reflecting that. But that does not reflect what's the current day, what's happening now. So that's a little bit of a challenge because I think, okay, we're thinking about the PMs in a certain way, but really with this new rollout, is it the same expectation? I'm not sure. I think that's why there is a little bit. And I think we have to be also open with our team members as well with ourselves that these might change. We might find that some things don't make sense. I agree with you. Um, previously, can you talk about the change in structure for the, like, you know, the different teams and or we call them pods, the different teams? What's the difference between currently and the vision for the future? What's the difference? So right now, the structure that we have is really the head that's leading everything and delegating and whatnot is the PM. But it doesn't make sense because the PM, it doesn't know the overall plan. That's housed with the CRO. So that means really the person that's supposed to be delegating and clarifying what everybody should be doing is that conversion rate optimization specialist. And the PM is part of that team. Like they are executing on the CRO's plan. They're helping the CRO execute his plan. This is interesting. As you describe this, I reflect back on my software development days. Yeah, we had teams, but you've always had two members in the team, the leadership, the project manager and the software architect. The software architect has the vision for how everything, the roadmap, and then the project manager is there to help him lay out that plan, make sure it's getting executed. I've always thought, and it's fascinating because, yeah, I've never thought who's higher than the other because they've always been equal. They're team members. They're working together, very aware of every little detail. And they lead, of course, a team of engineers and designers and all that. It's interesting how we're saying now, maybe in our case, it's the software architect who's going to be, or the CRO in our case, the specialist is the one who's going to lead that team. And the project manager is going to play the support role. It's fascinating. I wonder how that would work. Something we're experimenting with. We might find out that it works well. Might find out that, oh, actually, we need to tweak it some more. Yeah, and I think this all stems from the idea that our culture is very much centered around the client and what the client wants and what the client, the level of happiness of the client and every reaction, every interaction, everything is about the client. And of course, in an agency world, you have to be very centered around your clients. That's They are your bread and butter. <laughs> like That's what keeps the wheels turning. But that's also the reason why the CRO is very, if you want to invest in your people, your CRO is like the touch point between the team and the, the client. And you want to make sure that relationship, if we're keen on keeping good relationships, that 
they are aware of what type of a stake that is, what stake they have in that, keeping that relationship alive and making sure that there's a good relationship and ensuring the quality of the project and whatnot. So again, like that goes back to why the CRO being in that role is so important because there's a lot at stake and there's a lot of effort and work that goes into training and making sure that your CROs are up to date and they're the the right individuals for the task and all that good stuff. Yeah. I guess I was thinking about that earlier this week as I'm like, hey, what did I work on this week? And I'm like, what's, we are looking at problems and fixing them right away and looking at areas where the business is operating well and trying to tweak the operation some more. It's like, what if I change this? I wonder what's going to happen. And then sometimes you change something and it's like, oh gosh, oh no, we created a problem. Let's just go back. It's just fascinating, stressful sometimes when mistakes happen. And it's like, no, I can't believe we just did that. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, you've worked on all of that, the roles, the onboarding, anything else this week? Yeah, because of just the resource situation, I've been taking on more client work, which has been challenging for me. So that's another area that I focused on. How about you, Khaled? What were some of the things that you did last week for FigPi? Let me pull up what I did last week for FigPi so I can remember like too many things happening. Where are you? Here's FigPi. So we've been having Google Optimize, the biggest competitor, the, actually not the biggest competitor, the standard and A-B testing platforms shut down completely. So it's a gift that's been handed to us at FigPi. That means that we are doing a ton more demos. I think since yesterday, we did 20 demos. So it's overwhelming, correct? Like the number of people who want to see FigPi. And then at the same time, lots of people are signing up. And guess what happens when people sign up? They need some, they need technical support. They have questions. I think there was one day where we got 60 tickets open. Now, if you're a big company, six tickets is no big deal for us. The three of us are not trying to handle customer support. And I'm like, no. And the funny part is those 60 tickets all came from the same darn module that we have not touched in many years because it's just there. We're like, yeah, people don't really need it. Of course, they sign up and that's the first thing that they use, which is our visual editor. So not to complicate things, but imagine you have a website and you want to edit, you want to change things around the website. That's what our visual editor does in the A-B test and whenever you're doing an A-B test. So literally you drag things, you edit the text. It's almost like a word editor for a new website. And it's a fairly complex module. It's not easy because different websites, different technologies, different this, different that. And anyways. Can you kill the visual editor or put it under construction? No. So here's the thing. 80% of the companies that are signing up. They want the visual editor. Now, by the way, as people who run a CRO agency, we've always, I've always said visual editors are horrible. They're really not good. I mean, they're more of a marketing gimmick. Can I say that? It's a way just to attract people because really, if you're going to do serious A-B testing, you're not using the visual editor. Guess what? Most people signing up for FigPi, they want to do A-B testing, but they're just starting out and they're like, nah, great, but we're not going to assign a front-end developer to low work. We as marketers want to change a particular page on the website and I don't want to go to my developer to change it. And this tool is built by marketers for marketers. Yet fundamentally, you're not allowing me to use the visual editor. Now, here's the thing. There's now a ton of tools that came out just since Google Optimize was announced, it's going to sunset. 
There's a ton of tools out there that said, no visual editor, go ahead, use A-B testing. And we sat there, by the way, we had this discussion last week where we're like, should we just kill the visual editor? And we say, you know what? We are a platform that does not have a visual editor. That was a discussion. And then we're like, oh my God, um, no, we don't want to lose on that revenue. And by the way, it's like kind of the positioning because we've always had it. Now we're trying to decide what do we do with the visual editor? It's interesting as well because fixing these bugs fixed a ton of bugs in the visual editor. So it's just getting better, but I'm still just not convinced. We spent quite a bit of time looking at the visual editor and then had a discussion with the team because we think that we finally figured out a way to upgrade. We, we use an analytics engine that tracks a whole bunch of visitors for all customers using FigPy. And we're like, hey, we figured out a way. We needed some improvements to that analytics engine. And we've never had the time to discuss those improvements. We've been talking about them for a while, figured out the architecture for them. And we're like, oh, it's FigPy. This is already super fast. It's going to be about a hundred times even faster, which is really absolutely cool. So now I have to decide visual editor or the analytics engine. What do we do? For most people who are coming to FigPy, they look at visual editor. So that's the customer facing. For us, we look at the analytics because we're like, oh man, that's going to make it so much faster. But most people are not even thinking that. So we're trying to decide between the two. That took quite a bit of time. It's interesting because the reality is, I think it might be worthwhile to see how many visitors that are using the visual editor eventually go to like running A-B tests with a front-end developer and doing it the right way. <laughs> that might be just worthwhile to pull that data to help you guys determine what you want to do. Yeah. On that note, one thing that we've done, because we're trying to figure this out, we're using FigPy on FigPy. We've always used FigPy on FigPy, but we did some enhancements. So now we're tracking to a high level of detail what portions, what modules people are using. So that's one. You want to hear something really cool. Also now, across all the, I don't know how many domains right now active on FigPy, about 3,000 domains, Focus on the e-commerce portion of it, which is probably 60-70% of the domains of FigPy, we're able to track many metrics. Now, they're anonymized, so we don't know which domain is which. Doesn't matter to us, but we're able to look at, okay, what's the average conversion rate for all the domains on FigPy? How does that relate to new visitors versus returning visitors versus mobile versus desktop? How was the average clicks on the add to cart? What's the average abandonment rate? And I was like looking at that data and I'm like, oh, absolutely love it. Just looking at that. I'm like, oh, this makes for just very interesting data that could be released on quarterly basis. And it's like, okay, here's what we have. Small sets, correct? Only 1800 sites, but I think it can be very interesting. I wonder how many sites are run Monetate because Monetate and Dynamic Yield, which are much larger than FigPi, they release some data also, not very regularly. So I'm like, okay, this can be very interesting. Final thing is just, I've been working with you on defining the roles and that has been interesting. And then thinking about the roles within FigPy and how that works. That's a much lengthier discussion that will take a lot of time to figure out. I think I'm watching investment and I'm like, okay, we figure it out at investment, then we'll figure it out at FigPy. So I add any big lessons? I would say my big lesson is Sometimes I feel like you and I have operated Invest for so long and maybe it's not a lesson, but it's a reflection. There's just some things that are fundamental that maybe we delayed having. So it's just, I guess it's just a reflection. I no, feel no, like, you, you know, have to explain that because like you just left it so vague. That's okay. 
like this roles and responsibilities. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so important and it I think could have like saved a lot of headache. So maybe it's just a matter of like just being more organized and like the problem is, you know, we've been in the weeds for so long that sometimes taking a step back and just thinking about the company and how you want to run the company takes a backseat. And that's, I think, has always been our biggest. So I guess a reflection slash lesson. Yeah. How about you? No, it's it's sort of interesting. Just like on your lesson over here, I wonder how many companies start by defining the roles and responsibilities. And it's funny because you read that always, you read this, oh, focus on the culture, define the culture, otherwise it gets defined. I've read that so many times and I'm like, we're too small to think about culture. Guess what? It got defined. And there are aspects that got defined that we didn't like. And that's the reason we're going through this exercise. I don't know that all the stories out there are reflective of the truth sometimes. Maybe it's like a more of, hey, we should have done it this way or something like that. I don't know. But also we are new, a new company either. So that's maybe another area. Like Invesp has been around for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. You're saying, I wonder how many companies start out with defining these things. Yeah. And what I was saying is we're not really new also. Yeah. But <laughs> at what point do you define this? At what point do you think? Yeah. Down? The point that we're at right now. And that's we're perfect timing. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I don't know if it's like meaningful in any way. But I think like moving forward, it just gives you perspective. I'm like, okay, well, this is how we should do things. Yeah. How about you? Big lessons. If you're going to hold people responsible for something you need to define it really well so you understand it they understand it you need to train them on it really fully and coach them on it and understand that they're going to make a mistake once and twice and three times and then you can hold them responsible i think there are many things that we assume that i think is funny when we're sitting with our business coach and he was asking us about the project managers and he's like, well, we defined all these different responsibilities for the project manager. And then he asks us the question, he's like, oh, so which of these do you train your project managers on? And we're like, none. And he's like, oh, so you just hire people and you, like, I don't know. I actually said like, you know, we just assume that they know this stuff. He's like, oh, you just wish basically you hire and you wish and it's my work and it might not work. So that's interesting. So that's the big lesson. And I think the onus is on us to define and to train. And then we can say, hey, I think it's also important that we're very clear with people about the responsibilities. I expect you to do this. Uh, Sometimes we're not very clear. And we assume that's okay. Why don't you understand it? This should be the case. So need to work on that. I think we need to work on that investment. We need to work on that in FigPi. That clarity. I just remember looking at it's like, if a cop stops you and gives you a speeding tickets, and the first thing that you look is like, hey, how much is the speed limit over here? There's no sign. Okay, well, there's no sign. You can't hold me responsible for going too fast or, you know. I think we've been doing a lot of that. So I add big plans for next week. I don't know about big. Next week, we're hoping to transition the new hire into their roles and responsibilities. So this week, it's about defining them and clarifying them and training. And next week, it's about making sure that they're transitioning onto actual projects. So that'll be interesting for sure. Again, considering this new process and trying to see, is this a better onboarding process overall? And I think we still have a few more roles and responsibilities that we need to define. And then we need to think about the plan to let the rest of the company know and get everybody on board. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. By the way, I think with the new hire going through 
the training process. And now we're talking about, okay, next week that they're going to start owning some of you know, the projects and all that. And I think we'll discover next week that, oh, there's this hole in our training. Oh, we didn't explain this really well. And just providing him with the support that he needs in the next couple of weeks. And that will be something else. So we shall see. Indeed. How about you? What are your big plans for next week? We have five items ready for release that are under review at this point, piled for the, from the last six weeks. Our review process is extremely slow because we need to make sure. And it's funny, it's kind of, I mentioned this before, the standard in most software companies, most SaaS companies move fast and break things. We can't afford to move fast and break things because we have people's data. We have customer data and you don't want to screw up their data. So you, we're very careful about releasing any piece of code. So 25 items, trying to figure out how we go through the review process, how we release them. This is absolutely amazing because there's a ton of new features that will be released. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, of course, now we're starting to, to talk about Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Since we have many e-commerce companies on FigPi, that's our servers basically go max capacity. Now we are on AWS, which means that AWS gets a ton of money. We don't have any capacity issues, but we still need to do some planning around that just to make sure that we are ready for whatever Black Friday, Cyber Monday taken. We're starting to prepare for that. It's what's a month and a half, a month and actually more, close to two months before. Looking at our architecture, uh, any possible areas where the influx of visitors can cause us any issues. That is it for FigPi and the plans for next week. Anything else I add? I think that's it. That is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we need to ask you for a favor. Wherever you listen to the to this podcast, Apple, I don't know what else people listen. Well, we're like an iPhone users. But we would really appreciate it if you leave a positive review for us on that platform. And until next time. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode from Bootstrapped. If you learned something new from this podcast or got some useful insights, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Until next time.